Double sonic booms. You who indeed? Woohoo! Wow. <laughs> that was very, very, very cool. What a sound that is. Well, we will talk a bit about that in a moment. Mm -hmm. Hello, I'm Angel Lopez Sanchez. And I'm Kirsten Banks. And, and we, we are, are the Scientists. Welcome back to our fourth episode of The Scientists. I can't believe that means that we've been here for two months now. We are starting our second month. Yes, that is that is great because I really love sharing all this time with you, learning a bit more about our passion, astronomy, astrophysics. And today, actually, I think I'm going to learn a lot about space projects and so on that I'm not that good at that. Yeah, so I thought we'd shake things up a little bit. I know we talk a lot about astronomy, so we talk about the sky and space in general, but I thought we might turn a little bit and take a little side route and look at rockets, because one recently launched, the SpaceX Falcon Heavy launched on Wednesday the 7th of February at 7.45am Sydney time, and boy was that exciting. It was very, very, very good. Unfortunately for me, I couldn't see it live as it was happening because I was taking my son to school. Oh, no. Because it was the moment that we, daddies and mummies, are doing that. <laughs> but I can say that later during dinner, I actually was so excited. I, I, I have been reading about that during all the day and knew that what had happened. Mm. But I put the video to my son and, and, and Sonia, my, my partner, and we watched it together. And particularly my son, he was, wow, he's only five years old. And he was so excited about seeing a cat in the space. <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> yeah, but also all, you know, all the excitement about launching the rockets and seeing all the two uh, lateral rockets going down and mm. doing it so nicely, coming back together and just landing exactly, almost exactly on the same time. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But we'll get to that very soon. But we do have our usual segments at our start of our episodes. We have some feedback. We have feedback. Yuppie! Finally, someone's replying to us and talking to us. So we're not just talking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that is good. That is why we are doing that. We are not only talking to ourselves. We are also talking to you. And we really want to get your feedback about what we are doing and what we are talking about. That's right. And last time we asked, what is your favorite star cluster based on our last topic about the Orion Nebula and star formation? And we got one answer. Yeah. From Aya, Ia? I'm not sure if it is an Ia, Aya, or a La. But so apologies if we have your name wrong, but thank you for replying to us. And we had a look at your star clusters that you sent in, the Pleiades, which we all know and love as the Seven Sisters, not to be confused with the Three Sisters, those are rocks, we're talking about stars here, yeah. um, and the other one called 
Brocci. Brocci. I think it's in an Italian name. I have actually not checked. Oh, if it's an Italian name, then it's Brocchi. Brocchi. Yes, because okay. CH is a K sound oh, okay. in uh, Italian. Didn't know that. Okay, good. Um, but uh, it is a bit more famous, uh, known as the coat hanger. Yes. It is a very nice uh, cluster in the constellation of Bulpecula. Which is the little fox. The little fox, yes. Mm. Uh, that is in some, it is a kind of very tiny constellation with faint stars. Um, actually, the constellation where the famous Dumble Nebula is located, ah. uh, between Cygnus and Aquila in that region, in that region there in the sky. Awesome. And we had a look at it on Wikipedia earlier, and it looks very cute. Well, yeah, it is. It is very mm. cute also to have a look through it through the telescope. I mm. remember seeing it some few times in my old times. <laughs> <laughs> so summer time when I was there, a young teenager as you. <laughs> well, you're not a teenager anymore, but you are still so young comparison <laughs> with my age. Sorry, I can't, I can't help myself. <laughs> and looking, looking at the, this kind of clusters and particularly that is a very nice object to be seen in... in summertime in, in, in the northern hemisphere because it is very close to the zenith and yeah but it is another very nice object in the sky mm. and that brings us to our what's up segment now we think we should all have a look at the pleiades star cluster or the seven sisters because it's quite easy to see yep that's right and it also it is also um following the suggestion by ia ia jimenez who suggested both the Brocky and the Pleiades star clusters are the favorite clusters to have a look. Mm. Um, definitely the Pleiades, it is another of these must objects to see in right. the sky. So you can find it, if you're very good with your eyes, especially in big city areas, you can find it with the naked eye, but it's best seen through binoculars because it's quite a large yeah, it, part it, of the sky that it's in. That's right. It usually doesn't fit well if you look through a telescope? I made that mistake once at Sydney Observatory with our big telescope. I focused on one of the stars. Yeah, you, you, get, about it. you will get one of, one of few of the stars. Now with uh, this kind of a special eyepieces with a very wide field of view, if you're using a relatively uh, small telescope, you mm. can get the majority of it because you yeah. can actually fit a bit more than the size of the full moon, sometimes even getting it to the degree in mm. field of view through the telescope. Because how big is it? I've, I've heard that it's either a quarter the size of the moon or four times the size of the moon. Well, it is, it is big, but it's, it is also yes. de depending how you are defining the limit to the cluster because you, you, you see the main part of it, which are the seven sisters and there's a few stars there, mm -hmm. but there is, it, it is much more extending than that. There right. are some few uh, fainter stars that are a bit in the outer skirts of the, of the cluster. Right, okay. So, but but yeah, I think that uh, a good number, it is something around a degree or so in size. Okay, that's not too bad. So that is our object for uh, for WhatsApp, and we have been describing it a bit as we will see through an amateur telescope. Mm -hmm. I would like to encourage, as always I try to do, or we try to do, to have a look to it, even if you have the possibility of being in a dark place far from the light pollution, because you will see with your naked eye. It's very famous aturism in the Taurus constellation, mm -hmm. and it is very well visible this time of, of the year. It has been very famous in all ancient cultures. 
many, 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 many in all the cultures, I will say, from the name of the seven sisters that is coming from the Greeks. Mm. But uh, we have even records that it was observed in the past and was important in other more ancient uh, cultures than the Greeks. Even the suggestion that uh, in, in a cave, that I don't remember the cave now, I should have checked that, 20,000 years ago or so, someone painted the Pleiades because it was a group, a tiny group of stars, and there was a representation of a bull just Ooh. below that. I think it was the Lascaux in France, but perhaps I have had to check and start instead of be talking and talking. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it, it has been also very famous. And for example, also for the Incas in South America, it was... Uh, use at the beginning at, at the end of the of their calendar year depending oh, okay. how in which moment it was rising and setting so oh. it was it was also very important for for them well even in indigenous cultures in aboriginal culture we see it all the time like there was a whole exhibit down in canberra about the seven sisters and it was traveling around australia as well but the gamilaro people which is the just about near the country um where the AAT, okay, the AAO telescope is it's situated. Observatory and yep. yep, is near Gamilaroi country. Uh, the Gamilaroi see the seven sisters and call it Mie Mie, which is in their language meaning many sisters. Many sisters. And yeah. there's actually a story of seven sisters. Uh, and there is also another story about seven sisters coming from North America, from the Indians in North America. Okay. But it's actually also described in the eighth episode of the new Cosmos, A Space Time Odyssey by Neil deGrasse Tyson, an episode that I recommend a lot, which is called Sisters of the Sun, that mm. is using this cluster and all the relationships between the stars and female astronomers that try to understand the universe much better. And and I think it is very convenient we, we do that in that moment because we just have celebrated the 11th of February, the International Day of Women and Girls in Science. And congratulations, happy uh, anniversary, happy... Thank you, recognition day. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not, you are in science and you are doing also amazing things. So, uh, but, but we really need to, to get that thing working properly in the sense that it doesn't mm -hmm. matter your sex or even your religion or your cultural background. You are able to study the universe. You can be an astronomer, an engineer, a mathematician, whatever you want to. You can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. so just girls go, go there and be excited also about uh, science or astronomy in particular because you can get plenty of things. In recognition of all the activities and uh, kind of initiatives that are introduced recently in the last few years uh, to try to promote the gender balance in astronomy, the Astronomical Society of Australia uh, developed a award which is called the Pleiades Award. Oh. That is given to institutions that are showing that they are really doing it very well, promoting gender balance. Actually, yes, I've heard about that. Yep. Yes. The Australian Astronomical Observatory was one of the first recipients of that prize some few years ago. Awesome. So it was it was great. Go the AAO. Yeah, that was good. Mm. And on top of that, they were using one of my images for advertising it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of What's Up. 
Uh, just one little thing. Oh, one more thing. One more thing about the Pleiades. Okay. Because that is also an experience that's happened to me in my very, very old times. Some people sometimes confuse the, the Pleiades with the constellation of Ursa Minor. Oh, true. I've heard that, actually. So that is not the issue here in the southern hemisphere. No, because we don't see it as much. It is in the north. And I remember, perhaps I was nine, ten years old. I was starting to identify stars in the sky. And I have a strong discussion with my father because he was saying, no, that is the Ursa Minor. No, it can't be. It can't be the Ursa Minor. Ursa Minor is in that direction <laughs> and it is bigger. That is something different. <laughs> and it, that was the very first time that I saw the Pleiades and that I got, you know, the, the, the understanding of that was an association of stars that had actually physically connected each mm. other. They were all born. And we have not said that. They were both born uh, around 100 million years ago and that are very, very young stars. Mm. Big blue stars. Exactly. But I think we will talk about open clusters in a different episode. Yes. Because we really want to go into the... The Falcon Heavy launch. Oh my goodness, because I didn't see it on when it first launched as well, because I was asleep. Okay. <clears throat> my well, bad. But, but perhaps you have an excuse you were observing. I oh, was trying to observe. Well, yes. Well, I, thank you for reminding me that. <laughs> How was your observing experience at the Australian Telescope? We got data. Yay! <laughs> oh, we have plenty of things to celebrate in this episode. The third try, the third attempt, we finally got data. Yes. Very, thank goodness. Very exciting data to actually calibrate the instrument. That's right. So we might, and you know what? I don't want to brag or anything, but I may have just fixed science at the AAT. <laughs> that is good. Yes, because that is the, one of our most sophisticated instruments and perhaps one of the most sophisticated instruments in, in the world. The mm. 2DF or 2 degree field instrument having four different optical fibers that you can allocate whenever you want That's in a right. field of view of two degrees. And that is why it have that name. We're very common people with names. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, it, it is tricky, actually, to get the accuracy that sometimes astronomers need to very precisely allocate and find stars and galaxies in such large field of view. Mm. 2DF, this instrument, have been working uh, very well and very nicely, but sometimes we have been observing, particularly in the edges of the field, that they are not coming as well as they should. Mm. Still, you see the object, but it seems a bit off-center, and that is what you have been testing. Yes, exactly what we've been testing. So hopefully we'll get some data reduced soon, because I'm <laughs> my internship has finished here at the AAO, but I'm still in touch. Of course, I'm here now recording this episode but i'm still in touch with the whole team so i'll still see how it all goes can make conclusions and hopefully fix science yep that will be also very good because it is very important for the new generation of instruments that we hope to to get at the aad indeed indeed okay I, I, any other um experience about your observing run that you would like to share you know, excitement, clouds. Uh... No clouds. No clouds. No clouds. No clouds. It was com it was clear. It was absolutely clear. Although we did get a little fluffy thing coming in in our very last observation and our last exposure, but it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. And at what time did you finish? 
when the sun came up. <laughs> okay. Well, that is what astronomers do <laughs> sometimes. Right. I we... started at midnight and then got home at 6 a.m. Okay, that's good. Mm. So we observe from sunset to sunrise. That's right. Uh, opposite to the other people. Okay. Well, well let's go then to talk a bit about uh, Falcon Heavy yes, Lunch. To our main topic of the episode. So if you saw the Falcon Heavy Launch, you would have possibly had very different emotions it could have been happiness it could have been a pride in the human race that we may be able to do this or maybe a bit confused wondering why elon musk is sending a tesla roadster into space so essentially what we've got here is the most powerful rocket in the world basically what we have is three falcon 9 rockets strapped together the Falcon 9s are the most recent ones that they've been testing. They've been putting them up into space and use, reusing them all over. Yeah, that is the important part here, That's the I very think. important part so here. That, that you can actually recover the rockets that you are launching. And, and that is doing that accessing to the space is much cheaper than it was in the past because we can reuse these rockets. That's right. And these rockets... This whole Falcon Heavy rocket is estimated to cost $90 million, which, according to SpaceX, is a competitive price. It is a competitive price. Well, I, I was getting some numbers, you know that, because I didn't allow you to see what I was doing, but I was getting that, that, that numbers. And just for letting you know, the famous movie The Martian, that was 2015 or 2016, yeah, yes, a couple, couple of ago. years ago, that the production and the cost of the movie was $108 million. Wow. So that movie <laughs> was actually more expensive than launching the Falcon Heavy. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I'm not stopping there because I actually, it is something that I like to do from time to time for fun. Just people complaining, ah, oh, it is too expensive to send anything to space or doing any kind of investments in science or astronomy. <laughs> let, let me go a bit, a bit further. So the most expensive movie ever made... It seems, according to Wikipedia, that it is Pirates of the Caribbean on a Stranger Tides. I've heard that is the most expensive movie made. How much did that cost? Um, I forgot to write that number down, <laughs> but I can I can do that. Three hundred. I, I think it was around three hundred and eighty million. Wow! But the point is, I have that's like four Falcon Heavies. Exactly, four point two Falcon Heavies. Wow! So that is. We are spending that in doing a movie or preparing a movie, and no one complains about that. We need more SpaceX and less movies, although I, I do like Pirates of the Caribbean, so oh, I'll yeah, take yeah. that back. <laughs> okay, okay. No, movies are great. Perhaps not the Pirates of the Caribbean, whatever. It is just a movie for fun. Mm. But movies like The Martian, that it was very, very interesting for young people to mm. see a bit. And it is the adaptation of a very good science fiction book, The Martian by Andy Weir. Yes, I've read it. It's fantastic. You should read the book and watch the movie, I think. Yes. It's definitely the whole experience you need. But again, that is nothing when you compare with, for example, how much money governments are spending in armies. But mm. I'm not going to enter there. Well, we won't go into that we today. We are not going <laughs> to enter there. But it is just, you have to put that in cooperation. Sometimes, for example, also when I'm talking that in Spain, I like to compare with all the money that the soccer or La Liga <laughs> is moving. But as a friend said to me once, in some way, that is much more important than some few people that they want to know a bit more about the universe and the stars because there are 
millions of people just eager every weekend just to be knowing what is happening to your team and whatever, but not the other way around. Anyway. The other way so sorry, sorry for the for the break. The thing okay, is, that was I, interesting. The, no, the, the thing it is, I don't know that much or almost anything about SpaceX, Falcon X, uh, Space Nine, uh, sorry, <laughs> Falcon Nine. Uh, I can only give this kind of impression. So please, Christine, continue. So more about the reusability. The actual uh, the two outer rockets. So you had the central Falcon Nine and two side by side Falcon Nines attached to the middle one. And the the two outer rockets have actually been flown before. Oh, yeah, they've, they've actually yeah. they're being I didn't reused. Know that. I didn't right, know. neither did I until I looked it up uh, earlier today. One launched a satellite in 2016, and the other has been used to send cargo to the ISS or the International that's Space Station. That's good. That's so good. They're already reusing things. That's, that's awesome. It is, it is awesome. And what's quite funny is uh, Elon Musk actually didn't think the launch would be a success. There was a 50-50 chance that the ro- the whole rocket would actually blow up. I've got a little quote here um, saying that Elon Musk says, I hope it makes it far enough away from the pad that it does not cause pad damage. I would consider even that a win, to be honest. So <laughs> what he means by that is that the rocket gets high enough and blows up somewhere in the sky, but just make sure it's high enough that it doesn't cause damage to the launch pad. Yeah. Because that actually happened in 2015 or the, the yeah. few years ago when they some, actually... Some, yeah, yeah. Some, sometime avoid me. it also happened with some of the tests of the Falcon 9. Mm, one of the Falcon 9s spontaneously combusted and destroyed one of the launch pads, which took a year to, 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 to fix and to yeah. repair. Yeah, so... This is really good. That 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 is great, and I completely agree with uh, what you have just said because I have heard some of people that are really experts in in all of this, and they were just watching the launch and they were saying it's going to explode now. Oh, <laughs> it is not exploding. Oh, it didn't. Okay, it, it's going to explode now. Oh, it is going. Oh, okay, it will explode now in five five seconds. It's still not exploding. What is happening? What is happening? <laughs> okay, okay, the two lateral rockets are separating. It will explode in that moment. Oh, it is not. So <laughs> many people were actually expecting the Falcon Heavy launch to fail. Well, I mean, it, it was its first launch. That, that usually happens with a first rocket. These things explode. These things happen. And that is but why. And that is why you don't put a very expensive satellite inside a rocket. That's right. So usually, when you launch a rocket, you put in some sort of payload, sandbags or concrete. But instead, Elon Musk decided to send his cherry red Tesla Roadster with a Starman in the driver's seat. And I don't know what you think. I think I know. Actually, I know what you think. <laughs> I don't know what our listener thinks, but I can say that it was a very cool idea. It was amazing. I mean, why not send up a rocket in style? Exactly. Yeah, that is the same thought that uh, Elon Musk had. Why don't send it something that is cool? Um, many people have complained about that. Has mm. said, why launching this kind of publicity of Tesla car? That is another company owned by, by Elon Musk and the Starman and whatever. But the impact that this launch and the amazing views of the earth oh my goodness that we have seen with this uh, with the camera with so the camera, beautiful it's just so amazing everyone have been in really excited about that and wow what is mm. that beautiful 
a blue white planet with the darkness of the space and then you see yes. that car oh. with the dummy there and the don't panic <laughs> yes. hold on and, and <laughs> the gps says and, don't panic <laughs> and, and yeah that, that that is a great thing to to do it with a style and it have been one of the the images have been an astronomical image of the day, I think it was a couple of days mm. ago. Be very nice. I'm actually going to use this material for my talks. And also, we didn't have too many defenders of the flat earth complaining. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have to say it. I, I was thinking it too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's just amazing. And I think one of the major issues that people were talking about, like, why would you send this into space? Because it's just going to add to space junk. What people don't know is that this roadster, this car and this, the space dig, it will orbit around Earth for a little while, but it will eventually make its way out to a Mars-like orbit, but then eventually continue out into space. Yeah. Well, um, the most important thing here, and that is something that... Um that it's important to emphasize that the main thing that happened was a demonstration that the uh, Falcon Heavy is working. That's right. That, that was the main that, point. That is the main point. Because in some news, we have been actually seeing that oh, we have launched a car to Mars. And that it was never the idea. Never the idea. And, no. and it is completely wrong. Because e even in the best case scenario, that it is what happened, <laughs> that... Uh, the car um, was going to be in the space, it was not going to, to to Mars. It was just going to be sent to an orbit nearby Mars. That's right. And to be honest, the rockets actually worked too well. And now the Mars is, uh, the orbit is not Mars-like, but more so asteroid belt-like. Asteroid belt, yeah. It, since it will reach the orbit of Sirius, the main body mm -hmm. in the asteroid belt, an asteroid and a dwarf planet at the same time, um, and it will get an elliptical orbit moving around the sun from millions of years mm. till it will accidentally hit another asteroid, another planet or whatever. Which is unlikely. It is very and unlikely. There's a lot of space in space. We need to remember that. It's not like the all those space movies where the yeah. protagonist is going through the asteroid belt, dodging asteroids yeah, left, I, right and center. I love the Empire Strike Back, but I know that the asteroid field, it is not that. No. <laughs> and we will... We will discuss that in a future episode about the asteroids and the, the, the distances even in the solar system. Mm. So, so that is the main point to take here. So it was a demonstration that now we have a system, a new rocket that is very powerful. It is, I think you said, doubling. Mm -hmm, the most powerful rocket in the world by a factor of two. Okay, so that is mm. in very, very, very good. It is able to put 64 tons of material in orbit. Or 10 adult African elephants. Yep, she, she knows <laughs> that much better that, that they do, of, of course. And that is going to get that space exploration is going to be cheaper. That's right. And we really need to go into the space exploration. Because not only because it is what we human are, we are explorers. We are mm. always doing that. And many people 400 years ago, 500 years ago were saying, you're crazy, you're going to cross the ocean and you're going to die. And uh, But that is the future of our human race, of, 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 of us, is to be there and going into the space. That's right. We are curious minds and we must quench that curiosity. 
mm-hmm. in some way. What do you think about the ideas of getting into Mars? About Elon Musk, particularly. Um, I think it's a def- definitely a an idea to get people to Mars. Um, I'm not sure if it's a. I don't know. It's. It seems like I think because I don't know a lot about what the idea behind it is, similar to how people thought that a car was being sent to Mars. I don't know all the facts, but I think as an idea of populating Mars little by little, yeah, why not? We have curious minds. We should see if we can survive out there. But I don't think living on Mars, moving all of Earth to Mars is a solution. Not not at the moment, for not sure. Moment. Not definitely. But uh, I think it will eventually happen. It might happen in 20, 30 years. Sometimes I'm a bit pessimist in the sense that uh, I'm too old and I will not see it because it is not that easy to get people into Mars. Mm. So and, and and it is not only the rockets, it is everything that is involved in such a trip. That's right. It's not just a regular plane trip from no. Australia to Europe. It is space travel. You're going through very high G forces when you're actually launching in the lo- in the rocket and then the long distance to Mars will be a long time just waiting just to yeah. get there. Six six months to get to Mars. Wow, six months. And then you have two options. Or stay there for only three days a week and then come back. <laughs> really? Or you wait you wait there for two and a half years. Okay, so be- that would be more ideal. Yeah, it would be a stay for two and a half years, yeah. I think. I th- to be wh- honest, I thought the other option you were going to say was to stay there forever. No, I don't. <laughs> I, well, it, I don't think it... If if we want that to be a success, we have to take people there and bring them back. Yes. <laughs> it, it is important. Mm. It will happen eventually, of course. Um, mm. Still, many, many things have to change also in the high levels of our world to allow this. That's right. But that's what Elon Musk is planning to do. Uh, the Falcon Heavy will not take us to Mars. It's not quite strong enough to take a big enough payload to Mars. But they're thinking of making the Falcon super heavy by a- adding two more Falcon 9s to the central rocket, which will be twice as powerful as the Falcon Heavy or the uh, BFR. Yeah, the BFR, that the big Falcon rocket, of course. Of course, of yes. Of course. What are you thinking about? <laughs> I don't know. What are you thinking about? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Fill in the blanks yourself, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's essentially what's going to happen. We'll make a bigger rockets, more affordable, maybe... Less than $90 million. We'll see how it goes. But that's the plan. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see more launch, uh, more rocket launches. Yeah, no, that, 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 that is going to be very, very exciting to see and to observe. Um, we didn't mention two things. Particularly the thing that recovering the lateral rockets, it was so Ooh. amazing. We mentioned something at the very beginning. Yes. And we didn't say that the sound that we used to open this fourth episode mm. was actually the sonic boom of the rockets entering back into the atmosphere, getting very, very close to, mm. to the landing place and just switching on the, the, the last part of the engines just to stop falling down because they were coming falling down as, falling as, they, very, were, very as they were the stones coming back yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then switch on the the final part of the of the engines and get this kind of boom boom, boom as 
If you have not seen that video, look for it. Mm, go onto YouTube, search Falcon Heavy rocket launch or landing. See the whole thing, really. It's quite, it's quite mesmerizing. I watched it the other day when we finally got internet in my new home. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got emotional. I had to blink back tears. It was just, I'm so proud uh, of uh, us. I cried with my son. Mm. Watching that, it was so amazing. And, and, Beautiful. And, and, as we said at the beginning, I'm seeing all these images. But because the, the video cameras in the in the car, they were actually recording and doing the emission live for some few hours. Mm. So and you could go to YouTube and check what it was actually doing in that precise moment. I know. Oh, it's so cool. It, it was a very cool idea. It was great. So Iron Musk... In that sense, you have been really a genius to do that. And you know what? You can actually go and find out where the Roadster is right now at this very, very second. If you go to whereisroadster.com, you will find a nice little info page about where the Roadster is. And at this very moment on Wednesday, the 14th of February, when we're recording this at 11.28 a.m., the current location is about almost 2 million kilometers away from Earth, traveling away at a speed of 11,000 kilometers per hour. And the car has currently exceeded its 36,000 mile warranty 228 times. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> interesting number. Yep. Okay, well. So there you go. So you can find out exactly where the Roadster is from your own home. Mm-hmm. That's mm. good. That's good. Okay, well... um. I think that with this, uh, we are more or less done for this episode. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you want? Do you have anything else to add? Your final thoughts? Um, don't think so. I think that we've done a pretty good job at describing the Falcon Heavy. Uh, be excited. Being excited. Be excited. Oh, my goodness. So maybe for some feedback, what did you guys... Did you watch the Falcon Heavy launch? What did you think? Did you get emotional as well, just like us? How did you watch it? Where did you watch it? Let us know, and uh, we'll talk about it in the next fortnight. Yeah, and I will also uh, ask you to continue sending your favorite star clusters because uh, we have an episode talking about uh, star clusters coming soon, and we would like to put all your suggestions and and ideas together because Mm. I have only said just a little thing of what I have written here about the Pleiades, so I have to use the rest of it. (laughs) We we like researching and we get too much information. <laughs> yeah, well, that sometimes happens and you are excited. Oh, look at this cool fact. And there is another here. So oh, yeah, cool I facts. forgot about this. I forgot about this. I did this when I was doing this kind of exercise at the university. Yuppie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so send us some more star clusters and we'll see you in two weeks. Don't forget, you can always contact us on Facebook, Twitter or email. At the on Facebook and Twitter, you can contact us through the tag at the Skyantists, or on our email address, theskyantists at gmail.com. So send us your questions, your answers, your comments, your photos, and don't forget you can always record your questions on an audio file and send it to us, and you may just appear on our podcast. Okay, talk to you soon. Continue being excited about astronomy, science, and space exploration. And as always, keep looking up. Keep looking up. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.